Welcome to the Hospitality Maverick podcast with me, Michael Tinkser. We at Hospitality Mavericks are here to inspire leaders to create heart-centered and profitable businesses from the inside out, the kind to both employees and customers love and support. Thanks to BizSimply for sponsoring this episode as our show partner. And BizSimply is the all-in-one HR, workforce management, roads and operations software designed and built by hospitality experts to make every shift run like clockwork. And we join forces to help the industry to find new ways to become even more innovative in how we lead our people, how we operate, to how we grow our businesses, to how we serve our customers. Together, we want to share strategies and tools that can make the industry thrive long-term, not just survive. Every business will start where they are, but having complete transparency of where you are will allow you to plan forward on what you want to see change and what you want to evolve. And only through working with your supplier collaboratively and closely can you do that. So transparency and collaboration, I think are the two single most important parts of any supply chain, whether big or small, because only then can you influence. This is Lorraine Cops, an expert when it comes to supply chain and procurement and hospitality. She's also the founder of Be Inclusive Hospitality. She has a strong career from well-known brands such as Shake Shack, Gordon Ramsay Group, Copping and King, and many others where she has been improving the supply chain and created better profitability. And in this conversation, Lorraine gives us a great overview of the role of procurement and supply chain in hospitality and the importance of giving supply chain a strategic role in your hospitality business. Lorraine shares what the current challenges are and how these will impact the future supply chains and cost structures. She also shares the typical traits for an operator who master their supply chain and what role suppliers play in this. Lorraine shares her biggest unlearning the last 18 months and shares some great advice to how leaders can improve their business and profitability. Before you tune in, please sign up for our weekly newsletter packed with more Maverick insights, strategies and tools. Find the links in the show notes or visit hospitalitymavericks.com. Please also download a free copy of From Fragile to Agile, a white paper done in cooperation with BizSimply. Find it on bizsimply.com under the resource tab or via the link in the show notes. We have some great insights, solutions for improving your leadership game. This episode will make you reflect on how to improve your supply chain and if you are missing out on some profitability. So today, uh, we're going to take a dive into something I've been quite excited since I met the guest the first time to talk about. And I, I almost like uh, forced her to come and talk about this because I think it's something that's been underrepresented when we talk about you know, leadership, the, the, the industry, and uh, sometimes we just take it for given. And we take for given sometimes this comes product in the door. But there's a long planning process around procurement, supply chain, and uh, we have a lot going on right now in the industry. We know our prices have increased tremendously because of Brexit and then a pandemic on top. And it's probably time for us just to, to reassess and actually look into this and, uh, and understand the, the, the impact you know, supply chain have on our businesses. Even though we all know it, we sometimes forget it and not see it before those tomatoes didn't turn up. So for that, I have uh, Lorraine. 
as a guest. And welcome to the show, Lorraine. I'm really, really excited about our conversation today. Glad to be here. I'm sure we're going to unpick some, some some myth about supply chains today and also just get a, a bit of a grasp on what's going on right now and what is important to be focusing on as a business. Um, but for people that we have had you on before as part of David and I doing hospitality in the infinite game, where we talked about diversity and inclusion. So, so some people may might met you before here on the show, uh, maybe met you in a different context. Can you just give the the listeners out there a bit of a like an overview about your, your background, your uh, in both in procurement but also in, uh, in in diversity and inclusion and why that's so important? Yeah, sure. Um, so I have worked within the hospitality industry as a procurement leader um, for the past 20 years. So I have led procurement teams within the pub industry, contract catering, casual dining, fine dining, to name a few names, um, the Gordon Ramsay Group. I was there for two and a half years, Corbin and King for 18 months. And so um, my background in procurement spans quite far and wide. Aside from having a, a career in procurement, I'm also the founder of a social enterprise called Be Inclusive Hospitality. We have an overarching mission to accelerate race equity within the sector. And we do that with three key pillars, um, one of which is DNI, one of which is learning and development, and the third is events. And it is still, besides you doing it in your social enterprise, you're still involved in supply chain in hospitality today as, as a consultant, as I understand as well. Can you try to under, to explain people a bit like what is the, the role of supply chain in hospitality? Because yeah, we, we all know it's there, but what exactly, you know, if you had to define it in, in the roles you had, very strategic roles in well-known brands, uh, what has it been and, 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 and why it's important? Yeah. So the three key strands to um, my roles or sort of my departmental responsibility has been cost or price, uh, cost of goods, um, and ensuring that businesses are buying um, best value for money. And I describe it as that. It's not always about the lowest cost. Um, it's, it's about a product price that suits the business needs. The second is around service. So that talks to the supply chain. So in effect, moving goods from A to B, and that could be on a regional basis, national basis, international basis. Um, and uh, I've worked across um, businesses managing uh, the entire piece. And then last but not least, it's around quality. And quality speaks to quality assurance, sustainability, um, ensuring that when goods move from A to B, that there's complete transparency and that supplier ethics align with the business. And so really dynamic and diverse role in effect, whereas there's also always a lot of assumptions that procurement is purely around price, but it's about so much more. It's about efficiency and price is an important part, but actually without great consistent quality and fantastic suppliers, then there, there is no there is no need or there's no function <laughs> to exist. Surprise so on its own cannot exist. It's so interesting because you often, as you said, it was spot on. I think that you know procurement or supply chain are the one that negotiate the best price for us. But it's also, as you said, is to fulfill these sustainability goals that are so important now 
for organizations. Um, can you talk a bit about, you know, how that is uh, developing and, and why that is it's so important, you know, because it's not just, you know, finding products that are sustainable. It's also understanding is this, this supplier, this supply chain really sustainable? Because if we're caught out now, there's no greenwashing that can happen. I think when I look and reflect over the past sort of 15 years, there's been a journey for the hospitality industry in particular around sustainability and and transparency within the supply chain. And there's also been a a number of key landmark events and issues that have led to where we are here today. And I say that because if we go back in time to 2007, when uh, the, the recession hit, and that was the first time that we saw significant disruption and upheaval within the supply chain. It was the first time within my career that we were really forced to better understand our entire supply chains and sustainability in order to secure supply for the future. Second to that has included, um, you know, challenges like, um, I think what really comes to mind actually is if you think about Tesco horse meat and that horse gate, and that really again, forced a lot of operators to recognise the importance of understanding your entire supply chain because it's an extension of your business. And if we use that example, if you remember that Tesco's were in the newspapers, the supplier name wasn't necessarily the headline, it was Tesco. And I think that in itself speaks to the importance of your supply chain. Your suppliers are an extension of your business, but if there's something actually broken within your supply chain, it directly impacts your business and can be detrimental to your reputation um, and to your end guests as well. Yeah, and I, I guess what you've seen as well that you know the the horse meat scandal is, is, is a very good one because the the, the companies that's really on top of the supply chains really got their brand out of that media storm straight away. Even though the media put them in first, they had to excuse that they were not because they could lay out you know the the whole supply chain and the and the audits they done, and, and they knew that. And I think that was a really good lesson for many that you need to be on top of this. It's- it really was. And I think having worked in supply chain for as long as I have, I do also think that there are a proportion of hospitality businesses that tend to pivot or change or evolve or focus on areas of the supply chain and sustainability off the back of public pressure and public expectation. And I say that because, um, again, going back in time, in 2006, 2007, um, provenance was really important. Guests wanted to know where their products were sourced for. And for that reason, they were all over the menus, whether it was a pub or restaurant. Then um, the credit crunch hit, cost of goods went through the roof and provenance fell down the priority. And so, you know, within the space of a year, provenance pretty much disappeared from the majority of restaurants and pubs, menus, because actually they needed to secure products at a competitive cost and it became less of a priority. What we do know with sustainability is that it's important to the end consumer. And I do personally believe that that has driven a lot of the priority now placed upon um, um, businesses within our sector uh, you know, I, I think this can be applied to many of things. We, we look at the diversity and inclusion space. June 2020 took place and an awful lot of businesses reacted because of perception, because of expectation. Um, 
and all of these things. So I think it would be naive to to assume that as far as sustainability goals and it becoming a real key priority for businesses, it's not necessarily driven or born out of business leaders wanting to do better by the environment 100% of the time. For some, it definitely is, but for some, it's actually reacting to what is, it's a trend, a trend that needs to happen now because the, the environment's really important. And as, as, as an operator, responsible operator doing business, you have direct a direct impact and can have a direct negative impact on the environment. So it's definitely the right thing to do. But I think what what I've seen personally over my my time in the industry is it's not a new problem, but it's now come to the fore off the back of you know a number of things that have taken place. Yeah, and I guess also it comes not only with that now this is important. There's also not enough of produce on top of that to 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 or or some categories of produce are really challenged. So we will come back to that in a second. But what is the, you know, we, we, we touch on, you know, uh, we touched a bit of the, the, the myth around supply chain because we talked about it before we did this interview as well as like a lot of the myths around, you know, strategic importance of supply chain. And so, but what are the typical myths you've seen and, uh, you know, where people actually have totally misunderstood the role of supply chain and the importance of it? You know, what, what I've seen significantly and consistently within hospitality, and I say this because I have often networked with procurement leaders in other sectors. And I actually think that hospitality as a sector has never really placed the importance necessary on the supply chain because it ultimately has the ability to influence your profitability or not. Now, you know, what I have seen and I've been a part of being, you know, on leadership teams for a number of businesses over a number of years is that driving top line revenue is obviously important. Businesses will absolutely chase sales for, for the obvious reasons that we know, you know, cost of running a restaurant are astronomically high. And actually that can sometimes be mitigated by increasing your top line figures. But what I think has been under underestimated or not recognized the power and the impact of if you have the appropriate size team and the appropriate professionals within your business, you can improve profitability even if your top line stays the same. Because cost of goods, when you think about how much it costs to, um, you know, from a cost of goods perspective, so food and drink, is, is 30, sometimes 40, 50% dependent on the size of the business. Um, drinks, you know, similar numbers. You've got uh, utility costs. You've got rent. You've got rates. Any part of the business where you spend a sizable amount of money, there is opportunity to save money if you benchmark, if you tender, if you review, and if you have the appropriate people within your organization to look at that. And what I've consistently found to be the case, unless you are a really large corporate, a Hilton, IHG of this world, they always tend to have, or a lot of businesses tend to have quite junior um, procurement people in place. So, you know, either buyer or purchasing manager, which is great from a tactical perspective, but in terms of strategically taking costs out of your business, if you invest in a senior procurement person, you see the return you know, it becomes a, a profit-making department. And I've always joked, um, you know, throughout my career that we're volunteers because I can all, 
you know, categorically confirm that in any business that I've worked within, our cost savings annually quadruple the cost to run the department and salaries. So it's a worthwhile investment and you more than see the return if you invest in the right caliber of of individual within your your, your business. Yeah, and now you, you, you build it up on, on the business language of cost and, and money, but I also guess there's a reality of that you want stability within your supply chain and having that kind of cap- capabilities to, to build, you know, make sure that you are ahead of what's going to go wrong because things are going to go wrong in the supply chain. We've seen that now. And I didn't know that it was already science in 2007, as you said. So we already, you know, you say we are 14 years behind the disruption in the supply chain that's just building up and you need to deal with that because that depends on if you can sell your menu or not or whatever your drinks in your business. What what we've seen for a very long time is that some operators have not had to think too much about the supply chain because there is an array, especially in London, an array of many suppliers across all product categories. If, if one supplier is not working, you can switch to another. There's always been huge amounts of choice. And apart from, you know, looking back at that 2007 period, the product availability wasn't affected, but costs of goods were extremely volatile and high. So that at that time really forced us as buyers to think of different ways of being able to mitigate costs. I think where we are here and now is availability is a problem. Price volatility is a problem. And and businesses, again, have been forced to focus on an area of business which has never been particularly high profile and that also often doesn't sit on the board within SMEs in particular. Um, And, you know, the reality is it can make or break your business. It really can. And I think what we're experiencing here and now, for those that didn't recognise or understand the impact, are now getting the importance of procurement and why it's important to have the appropriate resources in place to manage that because it can make or break your business with products being available. Um, but, but second to that, no operator wants to be in a position where they're changing their menu every week because of price volatility. So that stability on price and consistency of supply are, are just, you know, absolutely crucial for any business. One of the things I was thinking as you you were talking through that as well, when I spent a huge amount of my career at McDonald's, I was like three legs on the stool, as I said, of the business. There was the the franchisees, the owned and operate businesses, there was the employees, and then there was the suppliers. That chair has to be in balance. If there's a leg that's not in balance or missing, we're in trouble. Um, and it's so interesting. Uh, you talk about that strategic focus because I, I took it for granted when I left my job at mcdonald's that you know those three legs was always balanced but they are not and i think especially supply chain i've seen well we just shift suppliers but well that's your partner you just don't chop your hand of your partner because they 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 rely on you and their employees rely on that you are there to to buy produce and then the other way around and i had a David Lockwood from Neil's Yard Dairy that talks a lot about how he could help his customers save time and money. It was so important for him. Uh, we'd have to make a great product, but we we have to help them as well, where he saw it as this interconnected relationship and this supply chain again. What is the challenges right now then, uh, Lorraine? Like if you, when you talk with others, 
supply chain people out there, you're doing your consultancies because, you know, we're talking about what are the three three key challenges right now in hospitality when it comes to supply chain? Three key. I'll try and keep it down to three. <laughs> um, I mean, so the top three are um, shortages, supply shortages, price volatility and uncertainty. And all three of those are all driven by the fact that the UK relies on a, a global supply chain to service the sector. So from a food perspective, you know, we're talking about over 50% of all food is sourced from Europe um, or further afield. Non-food and drinks, it's within the high 80s. And so we're heavily dependent on the rest of the world to supply our industry. Now, with Brexit, um, Bre Brexit uh, obviously um, going through and um, the COVID lockdown period where many supply chains completely shut down, it has put tremendous amounts of strain on those existing supply chains, but also layered on cost. So the cost to import, the cost to transport. Um, and so it really is the perfect storm um, because for many businesses that I work closely with and have spoken to, there were pre-existing contracts in place pre the pandemic that now can't be honored. Um, we talked about sustainability earlier on. In order to align suppliers with your principles from a sustainability perspective, from a you know, quality assurance perspective, that requires time and betting. And what many companies are finding themselves in the situation of, of having to react, react to products just not being available and having to pay the price, the market price, due to having no choice at all. And then you layer on top of that the uncertainty of the future, because the one thing I didn't mention earlier on is that as procurement and supply chain professionals, we heavily rely on data. We use data, we look back at what's gone to predict what is coming and, and what will move forward. And it's the same with the markets, whether that's potatoes, whether that's you know fruit and veg. And because we've had such disarray over the past two years, those trends have been thrown, you know, they, they just don't exist anymore. And so um, it's, it's a really extremely challenging time. Um, and what I would say is that there are many of the key um, purchase areas for restaurants that are extremely volatile but there are some that are, are, are pretty stable and it's really around exploring where you can take costs out and mitigate to kind of balance out the volatility that exists. And that differs for every business for sure. But to say it's an extremely tough time would be a, an understatement, I think. Yes, there's no doubt about that. You need a, a really strong setup for a, a strong supply chain setup and some really strong relationship. And, and, and if, if, we have, if you think you need to go and build a stronger supply chain, this is now, you know, for, for be ready for the future. But what are the typical key traits? You know, you always talk about what are great looking like. So how is a very well run supply chain for, a, 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 you know, a restaurant or hospitality business? Look at what are they typically very good at managing within that and where they always ahead of others? 
Okay, you know, I'll tell you that the single most important trait for the best supply chains is all around transparency. And the reason for that is transparency in working collaboratively with your supplier will allow you to achieve any goal that you have. So if we look at costs, you're able to reduce your costs through supplier transparency because if you really understand how your product price is made up, and if you're looking at logistics, if you're looking at raw material, if you're looking at pack size, if you're looking at, uh, you know, th there's many components to the, the price of goods. If you really understand that, it's only then with collaborating with your supplier, you're able to take costs out when the cost of goods are not moving downwards. So, um, you know, over the years, I've worked on various continuous improvement initiatives, which has allowed working with the supplier being able to reduce the cost of goods without the raw material price reducing. And that only comes through transparency. The same comes through your supply chain. If you are a restaurant operate, operating seven days a week and you have 14 deliveries a week, because many restaurants in London in particular have two a day, and you have a clear breakdown and understanding of what proportion of your product cost is made up by the supply chain, only then are you able to take costs out by understanding your operation and understanding what's absolutely necessary. So that's based on storage, that's based on obviously your top line sales. Only then can you take costs out of your business through driving efficiencies, through transparency. And the same applies again for quality assurance uh, or sustainability. Because the reality of the fact is this, Every business will start where they are, but having complete transparency of where you are will allow you to plan forward on what you want to see change and what you want to evolve. And only through working with your supplier collaboratively and closely can you do that. So transparency and collaboration, I think, are the two single most important parts of any supply chain, whether big or small, because only then can you influence the days of and this has existed and still does exist for some of the really large companies within the industry, within the UK. It's not enough to simply ask for a price reduction. You know, it, it really isn't. And if, if, if you are an effective buyer that really understands the markets and understands what influences price, you'll get that in order to reduce costs with the supply, you have to work in partnership and transparency will enable that. Yeah, and it comes back again to the stability of your supply chain because, of course, they, you know, the one you feel you have the most fair and transparent relationship with on all elements, from price to, uh, to how we work together, uh, that we help each other to make each other better, then uh, that's the one you're going to honor first when you run out of stock or something. I'll add to that, actually, Michael. Years ago, I worked with this great guy I can't remember his name, but he was um, the account manager for a fresh produce supplier. And he, so within the business I was in, um, we, there were three purchasing managers and we, every year or so, we'd swap category responsibility. And this supplier told me that he would always give me a better price because he likes working with me. And this was versus some of the approaches of some of my colleagues which was less favorable shall we say 
And he, he actually said that. Yeah, and I, it's funny to say that, but I guess it comes down to we're all humans in the end as well. And we need to remember suppliers are also humans and want to be treated like humans. And, and, and people do business with people, right? People absolutely do business with people. And, um, and if you have that front and center, as well as realizing that in order to persuade or influence, there's no need for aggression, um, then, then, you know, I feel as though I personally have always bared fruit and done really well as an effective buyer because of the type of person I am and my approach. Um, and also recognizing that as I have a job to do, the supplier also has a job to do. And how do we ensure that we both get what we want from this relationship and make it as effective a relationship for the businesses? And we enjoy the job of moving a category project from A to B, quite simply. How do you think in general that suppliers are perceived? You already you already alluded to it a bit that, you know, that might, might need a bit more attention, but how, how do we, you know, in general you know look at our suppliers how strategic important do we think they they are in hospitality in general what is your observation oh i mean i personally or have always viewed suppliers as an extension of your business whatever goes on within your supplier business has the possibility to affect what happens within yours and um honestly i would say over the past 12 to 18 months many organizations are really recognizing the importance of that relationship. And um, I would say this though, there are many businesses that I've witnessed over my time in the sector that really have always put people front and center, you know, people oriented cultures, and they have often been the same organizations that treat their suppliers, um, you know, the same with value. You know, it is. It, it can be really a cultural thing. What one of the reasons, sort of five or six years into my career, I always saw the progression path for me being moving into the retail sector. And what I really realised soon in after having an interview with Asda and Tesco's, is that whilst I've heard it's changed now, their approach from a buying perspective was to just do it. And in ways, it sometimes reflected the cultures that exist within those organisations. And so I think there's a cultural element for sure in terms of how companies view their employees, view their suppliers um, and, and treat them favourably and recognise it's important to pay your suppliers because they also have employees and a supply chain to pay and not hold their payment terms to 90 days, which companies within our sector do and a lot of the retailers also do. So interesting you're saying they are a totally different context. I was interviewing a, a CIO on digital transformation and he said they don't go out and choose the, the platform and the technology first. They go out and choose the, the culture they want to work with and then they start looking at the product afterwards because if we can work together and we have a bal balanced out culture and approaches to business, we can solve all that. You know, it, it can't be the, the worst platform in the world, but we can solve all that. That was how he went out and looked for vendors. I thought that's really interesting. But I understand. I completely understand. And it, and it fits really well with what you said as well. If we go up in the helicopter, Lorraine, and look at hospitality from, from, from your experience and 
observing what's going on the last two weeks. How do you think the next 18 months play out? I know we just we're just in this phase of Omicron and lots of things can happen in the next couple of days or weeks. And I know we need to take that into account. But how do you think, you know, the, the industry is thriving now, people are back. Uh, how is it all going to evolve? And maybe you're going to take a, you know, a supply chain angle on it. Yeah, I think it's really difficult to call because one of the really, I suppose, the underlying principle of the supply chain is it often relies on so many micro and macro factors to influence supply of products, right? The weather, the political climate, currency, that there are so many factors that influence the supply chain in its entirety. So it's really difficult to call. What I would say from a procurement and supply chain perspective is there's a continuous need, desire, to explore ways in which we're able to capture huge amounts of data um, and utilize that to inform purchasing decisions. And so just as a, you know, as an example, there are currently systems um, in place like Mintech, is it Mintech or Mintel? Whichever it is, it provides a lot of insights and intel on raw material prices, which will act as a, a way of informing purchasing decisions. But what there still isn't yet is equivalent system that allows procurement professionals to capture all of the appropriate data and intel on the supply chain to give complete transparency across the board. I'm probably giving away my idea here, actually, because it's something that I would love to see in place. But until that does happen, there's an awful lot of spreadsheets. <laughs> And utilizing spreadsheets to understand risk and mitigate risk has its problems from time to time. So really difficult to call, continue to be extremely difficult. Um, yeah, it, it's just really, really difficult to call. It's the perfect storm, as I, you know, as I said earlier. And there are so many contributing factors as to which way it could swing. So it's keeping an eye on it all the time. It's not something you do once a year now. It's, we, it's weekly check-ins in principle. Absolutely. I mean, a lot of the procurement and supply chain professionals that I know that are internal, 70 to 80% of their time is spent reacting at the moment. And, and at the same time, they're trying to be strategic um, and take costs out of the business. But unless their employers are investing in that resource, they're finding that extremely difficult. So it's very much a reactive, a reactive market. I suppose one of the benefits that I have as being a contractor is that I go in and proactively help to drive change and I don't pick up the day-to-day -day of reactive reactive procurement. Yeah, and, and, and it's so interesting the importance of actually getting out of the reactive mode I, uh, as I talk with a lot of people about because, uh, of course, there are things happening to you and your business that always is. And right now when it happens, it's a bit more extreme when it happens. But again, you need to have a plan. You need to have a strategy in place. And I said to many people, Maybe the strategy doesn't go what you, how you want it to, but then you're definitely not diverting too much for the, the the world you want to see. And I think that's the I think I agree with you. You you need to balance that really well. Um, what about what about what about self Lorraine? You know, you are working within supply chain. You're doing uh, your uh, diversity and inclusion. You know, your all that stuff and. You know, there's a lot happened the last eighteen months, uh, and we all have unlearned stuff. 
like about ourselves, about how we do things. What is the main thing, the most significant thing you have all learned about yourself and what did you learn from it? Um, I think the most significant thing that I have learned and I'm unlearning is that irrespective of the capacity, whether it's procurement, whether it's coaching, whether it's the inclusive hospitality, that it is A-OK to turn up as my authentic self 100% of the time. And I say that because when you are a black person in hospitality and at a senior level where often you're in rooms where there is no one like you, there is definitely and has always been definitely in my mind a thought process of adapting and um, kind of holding some of my myself back. You know, culturally, there are differences which are A-OK. And I think going into the lockdown and spending an awful lot of time connecting with individuals and companies who are and can be very, very different to me, but are like-minded in many ways, has made my want and need for more people like that to be present within my professional life. And so I've come out of the lockdown period, um, just, I've unlearned that I need to tweak or change who I am for the environments that I am in, quite simply. That's a that's a massive unlearning, I would say, like, and, 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 and uh, you know, radical accepted and, and be it, you know, which you do, because I've met you, both now in uh, in real life and then here now uh, online we talked a couple of times so yeah i think that's a massive unlearning and i very, thank you very much for for sharing that if if you could choose uh, this is one of my new questions uh, because if when you can choose you could have a coffee a tea or whatever you want to enjoy uh, a glass of something with any hospitality figure who who would you choose or maybe you already met that person i don't know I have met her actually because I worked for her, but um, I haven't had a coffee with her and I'd love to, is Karen Jones. So Karen Jones is, I remember being like in my early 20s and I worked for um, the Spirit Group at that time. I worked for them twice actually. And so the first time early 20s, second time sort of late 20s when I was about 27. And she was the only woman that I had or caught sight of that existed in the hospitality sector for a very very long time and um i mean she's a force she's a powerhouse she's done loads of phenomenal and amazing things um i met her a couple of years ago at a conference and said oh i used to work you know at the spirit group we had a chat but she's just super inspirational and i think whilst the sector's developed somewhat since like, my time in the sector as far as gender balance it has a long way to go. And I just feel like she was really one of the pioneering women who was just excellent, excellent at what she did and how she did it. And I really respect that. So, Well, that's a, that's a great choice. I would love to have a, a, a cup of coffee for Karen Jones as well, if that was possible. So let's see. Let's see. We put it out there to the universe yeah. now. Let's see what happens. <laughs> Uh, so she is a she is a she is a powerhouse, as you say, a force of nature. I would say as well, and and th- setting different thinking wherever she goes. Um, what uh, if uh, if you should mention a couple of people that has been very influential for you? You you mentioned Karen Jones in that conversation. I don't know if that's one of them, but you know wh- who has really like 
taught you and actually made you to who you are today? Yeah, oh, definitely my parents, uh, my mom and my dad are, um, you know, they came to the UK in the 60s from Jamaica to quite a hostile environment and um, neither had, I'd say, the best start in life for a number of reasons. And they are like the, the most hardworking, selfless, um, but actually really nice people too, um, you know, that I've ever met. And I think one of the real pleasures of getting older is that, you know, you move away from being a child, you see your parents as people and not just your parents and they are actually now really good friends of mine which sounds bizarre but um i just really respect my parents they're just brilliant i feel forever indebted to them and even though i live in london and i'm one of three you know there's nothing that i wouldn't do for my parents because they have sacrificed like so much for me and my brothers and uh so hugely influential amazing role models really nice people so definitely my parents with that in mind, like it sounds like they really put some, uh, you know, some some core things into you. How do you then like go and do the things you do? Because you do incredible things. You work on incredible jobs, and now you are taking a lead on a social enterprise, talking about something that's very difficult. That was why we did the podcast, David and I, because we didn't know how to formulate diversity and inclusion. And you just keep on going. And you told me a bit about the plans before we went on here. How do you actually show up, like? with that kind of you know determination being pro as i call it every day and just keep on moving these difficult things forward yeah you know what it all centers and all comes down to i'm i'm a purpose-led individual um and i did a diploma in life coaching and i've always been fascinated and interested in the way we think as humans um and i genuinely I'm fortunate enough to love everything I do um, because actually the common thread across everything I do is having an impact whether it's individuals life coaching whether it's businesses helping to improve profitability whether it's social impact helping people and groups of people to move upwards and forwards and so how is I really love what I do I I love working with people love collaborating and so it feels really easy for me to show up and do a lot because it's all born out of purpose and genuine enjoyment, actually. Well, that's, that's the most powerful thing because I love everything around purpose. People know that out there because if you're so clear in your purpose, you don't need any reason other to, to wake up and actually and you find ways to keep you keep yourself pro, as I call it, because it's so important to you. Um, what what is your like if you had the the, the oh you got to get the stage now you get the stage and you could give like three advice to leaders out there to accelerate their businesses uh, in in hospitality what would your advice be uh, as we go into 2022 hmm, okay um i would say first and foremost scrutinize your bottom line costs and I say scrutinize because every business I've ever joined, I'll always uncover some contracts that have been rolling for years. And every year, RPI is added and you're paying more than you need to be. Scrutinize your bottom line costs. Um, 
The second kind of interlinks with that, which is around transparency, don't leave any stone unturned. Um, and the third is ensure that you've got the appropriate experts that can help you to improve your bottom line. Simple as that. I love that, Lorraine, because I normally say to people, I know that I talk about vision, culture and things like that, but all that doesn't give sense if we don't make money, because that's gonna, what's going to pay people's salaries and so on. So those things need to be and exactly come down to often. I think you said it earlier in the conversation as well. What I've experienced is it's not about like sacrificing anything. It's sometimes also just making things smarter and more slick and don't just roll over in a new contract. We all know that from private as well. These contracts are rolls and rolls and rolls. And suddenly you've been paying to a subscription you don't need if for a long time. Um, and I found one of those today in my mail where I said, I need to stop this. This year, I'm not signing up again to this boiler service because it's extremely expensive. Yeah. We're coming to the end. Is there anything you wished I asked you? And uh, if there was, would you, what would you have answered to that question? Um, I think the only other question question is, um, I'd say is why is procurement and supply chain enjoyable? And I would say that procurement and supply chain, I look at it as a nucleus of every business. So within my roles, I work closely with finance, marketing, operations, um, IT, um, HR, and also outward facing work with an array of different types of suppliers um, and get to really understand the market. So if you enjoy working with people and collaborating, then it's just, it really is enjoyable. And, and I think most importantly, one of the reasons why I love procurement and supply chain is it's quantifiable and tangible. Anything that you implement, you can track your impact on the PL somewhere. And for anyone that wants to make a difference and have visibility of it, then it's a fantastic way of, of doing so. You know, to improve profitability within an organization um, is off the back of a, a project that you've delivered and actually being able to go into the bar and see the brands that you've implemented partnerships with or you eat at the restaurant and you see the speck of chips that you've, you know, contracted. It's just, um, it's really varied and it's, it's it, yeah, it's really a pleasure. But it is working with a variety of stakeholders or working to a common goal, which um, is enjoyable. I love that. That was a very good question. Where can people find you uh, online, Lorraine, if they want to know more, want to engage with you? Yeah, my go-to is definitely LinkedIn. So you can find me on uh, LinkedIn, just Lorraine Copes. I'm on social, other social media, but LinkedIn is my main, my main go-to. Great, great. Thank you so much for, for coming on the show and sharing some of your insights around supply chain, hospitality, what we need to look after, your great advice uh, and reflections. I send you uh, power and energy for, for the period ahead as well and the things you are involved in. There's a lot of exciting things coming, I know. Thank you. Same to you. Thank you so much, Lorraine, for your comprehensive overview of supply chain and procurement role in hospitality and your insights into how to improve profitability within it. I will recommend you now to ask yourself, have I evaluated my supply chain and checked if there's any room for improvement? To get further inspiration on how to improve your profitability, 
Tune in to episode number three, how to increase restaurant profitability with Ivan Brewer, restaurant and profitability expert and thought leader. If you enjoyed today's conversation, please share, rate, review, or subscribe to one of our channels. A big thank you to BizSimply for supporting us, bringing great insights, strategies, and tools to help the industry thrive, not just survive. Check them out at BizSimply.com, on their social, at BizSimply or BizSimplyHQ. You can also email them directly on advice at BizSimply.com. Remember to download your free copy of From Fragile to Agile, a white paper done in cooperation with BizSimply. Find it at BizSimply.com under the resource tab or via the link in the show notes. We have some great insights and solutions for improving your leadership game. A big thank you to Fina Charlson, the show producer and editor from the Podcast Collective. Tune in next time for another interview. In the meantime, find out more about us and subscribe to our newsletter at hospitalitymavericks.com. Don't worry, if you didn't know all of this, there will be links in the show notes. I'm Michael Tingser, and you've been listening to the Hospitality Mavericks podcast show. Be Maverick.